This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's a Sunday kind of love. I'm Maya Tan. Now this weekend, I'm really, really excited because once again, we're going off to a desert island. And I have a very exciting guest with me here today. Her name is Elvira Arul. And if you've never heard of her, well then, where have you been? Uh, but do take a listen to this. songstress and a very special person to me I believe she's got one of the most amazing voices in the world it's not like just in PJ or in Kapong or even in Malaysia I believe she has one of the best voices in the entire world and the world needs to hear it thank you thank you love you're most welcome it's so good to have you here with me on this desert island thank you so much for having me with you on this lovely desert island (laughs) we are so gonna have such fun aren't we I know we are we are of course (laughs) Anyhow, um, I thought it would be a great opportunity to catch up with you and uh, find out what your favourite books, films and music influences are. Mm -hmm. But first of all, tell us what's happening with you and your career. Well, um, at the moment, recording, which everybody asks me constantly, are you recording? When's the album coming out? I'm like, okay, it'll come out when it comes out. I used to give deadlines, but I'm like... That's not happening anymore. I've been working, so I've been doing my live gigs, I've been doing my corporate shows and all that. And then on the side, um, like what we recently did, uh, you know, little projects, uh, <coughs> Project Watermelon, hint, hint. Um, <laughs> little things that we've been doing on the side as well as um, working with uh, the various orphanages that I do work with. I love kids. It's Aww. a bit scary how much I love kids, but yeah. They can give you an insane amount of joy and at the same time make you want to pull your hair out. Absolutely. How a I've tiny been person. There. Yes. I've been can, there. I can imagine. And then just when you have no more hair to pull out, they make you laugh out yes. loud. Yes. So hard. Yes. And I your heart feels like it's going to burst because you're really just laughing and you don't and even remember what healing. it's about. Yeah. I think they have this amazing power to just wrap you around their finger and then that's it you know i can do whatever i want to you i work with churches for the most part so like my mom's church they've got an outreach in uh, uh um and then of course there's uh my church saint paul's church um special needs as well and then my mom has a special needs school so sometimes i do that as well so it depends on what's going on at the, at the moment like, and what amount of free time i have have kids always been a part of your life yeah Definitely, because even my cousins were always at the house. So I guess from the age of six, I've always pretty much been surrounded by kids, which is strange for an only child, but yeah. 
Well, um, you should try to match the two. You know, bring your world of music with the world of children, and then like, okay. can you imagine how wonderful? Yeah, it would be interesting to see how I can do that. Thank you. That's an idea. <laughs> I will. I will. I will write this down. So, um, your favorite books? You know, you've always been quite a bookworm, haven't you? I have. I have. My mom used to say like she just needed to give me a book to read. And um, I'll be quiet for quite a while. Or coloring book, I'll just look at the lines, start coloring. Of course, outside the lines because I'm a rebel like that, right? <laughs> and see like how it's I can do shading. I know. And then you shade outside the line, and then of course you hand it into your teacher who just shakes his or her head and looks at you and goes, "You had to, right? You just had to." Only because I said, "Don't go out of the line." Uh huh. You know, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to do these things. That's where I don't agree. You know mm. it. It's an art class after yeah. all, right? Yeah. And there should be no rules when it comes yeah. to art. Well, I agree. Definitely. What are some of the books that have really, you know, shaped who you are today? Where Were do I any? begin? Ta-da! Where do I begin? Okay, um, let's see. My dad got me reading country and western books. Quite a strange genre. I know, but my dad is strange <laughs> like that. I love him. <laughs> Hi, pa. Yeah, and then my mom, of course, religious background, so she got me reading Sunday school storybooks and things like that, so that was good. Those but were the, quite fun. Those were definitely fun, you know, and then you grow up and you go like, you start poking holes at some of the shortened version, the abridged uh, versions of the stories and go like, hmm, that would not have made sense in a different context. Anyway, one of my favourite books growing up was Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit. By Jeanette Winterson. I love Jeanette Winterson. Oh, no. um, I've read Sexing the Cherry, but mm-hmm. I've not read this particular one. It's it's really fun. It's basically um, set on this girl who is brought up in a very Pentecostal household, a very church household. And for those of you who know what Pentecostal is, yes, uh, <laughs> the Hallelujah Hoppers in that sense. Yes, and I, I grew up in that environment, so I can see it myself, you know? Okay, just to, for anyone else who's listening. Well, that and explains then, your gospel singing background. Uh, okay, yes, yes. I, I mean, yeah, we did. And it's so strange, because right? in Malaysia, we don't actually have like a gospel choir kind of thing. Yeah, but we, it's not the culture. sad. Yeah, it's not our culture, but yeah, definitely singing in church from a very young age. And, and mom was a singer as well, so yeah, we digress. So oranges um, are not the only fruit. My cousin, my elder cousin, just put me on it, and he goes, you have to read this book. And I'm like, but why? And he bugs me for at least six months. He's constantly because he was based in the UK by that time, and he was just constantly just sending me postcards to go like literally postcard, huh? one big postcard. All it says is, "Orange is not the only fruit." Go out or not the only fruit. I like that. He will write and send to me. That's it. Just that the title, <laughs> which was his way of going. Are you gonna read it? And I get like four or five of these anywhere. The reason why he asked me to read this is because at that time, you know, being rebellious, um, being pastor's daughter, being everything along those lines, um, you just have to figure out your own way. So you've got the guidelines of the religious, um, well, the religious guidelines, and then you've got your own precept of what is right and what is wrong. And then you've got what really is right and what really is wrong. So, you know, you've got your own moral compass and then we've got society's moral compass. So what do you do? How do you get around all three and still stand on your own and be an individual? And then there's the rebel element from the cowboy books. Of (laughs) course, you know, of course I have that. Uh, So, yeah, this was uh, a book that uh, got me through quite a few weary weeks because I'm the kind of person who imagine the pages come alive to you. So that was how it was for me as well. It mm-hmm. just completely came alive. So as I'm imagining this story, right, the five words that I just read just becomes this entire story that I just run with with my head to escape whatever I'm going through at that day. And, and that was it. What did you love about the character's journey? Well, for me, I love the fact that she was this 
girl who was brought up in such a strict and staunch religious background, religious confined in that in that sense, and she rolls with it, and she grows up, and she realizes that she's not what everybody wants her to be. She's not quote unquote normal. She actually is attracted to other girls. And then she doesn't have the the terminology, so she doesn't know that she's a lesbian. So she is attracted to, it's love, love is love, right? She's attracted to uh, another girl in church, and she tries her best to run away from it, but it doesn't happen, and she falls in love. And then her mom obviously, you know, discovers, as moms have this uncanny ability to do, (laughs) and she goes like, oh, no. And then she literally makes it her life's passion, her life's goal, her life's mission to break these two apart and and set her daughter back on the path towards becoming the missionary that she was going to become. So, yeah. Oh, you were telling me earlier that you found it hilarious as it you was, were reading it. It was, it was. I remember this this bit from a church camp uh, where she sends the daughter to church camp and she literally deprives her of all forms of communication. So, you know, she says like, no, I can't remember whether it's letter writing or something along those lines where she cannot do something. And she just has to be there and, you know, absorb God and absorb the spirituality of being around other people who are in that religious uh, frame of mind. And she just sits there and she starts writing in her journal, right? And she starts saying things like, I cannot believe that I am attracted to other girls. How is this right? How is this wrong? And then how she goes about justifying it is what I find hilarious. And how her mom, then you know how parents live vicariously through their children, right? So they're like, I did this wrong, so you must do it better. Uh Even though this is the path that the child wants to go on. And she just goes all about it. And she... The mom, she becomes she becomes so obsessed with it, right? She neglects her church prayers. And at the same time, once she realizes that her tack of like talking to her daughter is not working, she goes full swing in the prayers. And then when that doesn't work, she goes full swing on other things. So it's just extremes. She's just bouncing off these extremes. And I thought it was hilarious. Often, you know, the extreme bad behavior of our parents affects us in the worst ways. Yeah, definitely. And I've come to realize, and which comes with age, that what we see as our parents being um, dysfunctional or whatever you want to say, there is no manual. There is no right or wrong. Not at all. There is only what they know. And this is what they know. So to me, as I was reading the book, I, b- I began to understand a lot of things, not just like I said, you know, uh, with my mom and, and uh, being from religious background. And mind you, I love my mother. She's a, she's a saint in my books. Um, of course, everybody has their ways. I mean, we're humans. Nobody is, is, is great all the time and nobody is, is bad all the time either. So as I'm rebelling against my mom, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm going, wow, other people have it worse off than me. My mom is fine. Yay! Go and move on with life. You know, and that's that's one of the things that I thought was really brilliant with this this story. Do you want to read a little bit for us? Sure. Um, this is a bit from one of the things that she was writing in her journal. So she goes like this. But where was God now? With heaven full of astronauts? And the Lord overthrown? I miss God. I miss the company of someone utterly loyal. I still don't think of God as my betrayer. The servants of God, yes, but servants by their very nature betray. I miss God who was my friend. 
I don't even know if God exists, but I do know that if God is your emotional role model, very few human relationships will match up to it. I have an idea that one day it might be possible. And I thought once it had become possible. And that glimpse has set me wandering, trying to find the balance between earth and sky. If the servants hadn't rushed in and parted us, I might have been disappointed, might have snatched off that white semite to find a bowl of soup. <laughs> I am so reading this book. You have to read it, you have to read it. Fantastic. Um, what do you think is the biggest message coming out of this book? Be yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it, it really was that. And that's one of the things that set me on the path of not only becoming who I was, but being comfortable in my own skin. Society has this way of saying, you know, you have to fit this block of what is normal. But that makes zero sense because cannibalism to a, a cannibal is normal. It's, it's almost like if you were heterosexual and someone yeah. asked you to kiss someone of the same gender, it would seem strange to you. Yeah, exactly. So I began to understand that there is no such thing as normal. Mm. It's normal in the context of your society. That's it. Wow. More of our abnormal Desert Island conversations coming <laughs> up after this. But before that, we're going to play you a song. This is a live recording that you did, right? Can you yes. tell us about it? This is a recording of a rehearsal that I did for a show at a very, very big orchestral hall. Yeah, that, well, that alone hinted, right? That I did, uh, I think, last year, if I'm not mistaken. This was a song that was arranged by David Ling, written by Jerome Coogan, um, called Your Voice. A Sunday Kind of Love continues in just a bit on BFM 89.9. Okay.
It's a Sunday kind of love. I'm Maya Tan. Welcome. We are here on a desert island today with Elvira Aro, my mate. What's up? My first mate. <laughs> and so today, you know, since we're on a desert island, we're going to be talking about books, film, music. Um, and of course, earlier we spoke about Jeanette Winterson's Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit, a most Great fascinating Great book. Great. Uh, Elvira kind of talked about how, you know, she found some similarities in the character's journey and hers, you know, coming from a religious background that sort of thing mm-hmm. and and also having an overzealous mother <laughs> yes she, she meant well love her <laughs> let's talk about movies what kind oh, of a movie buff are you I love anything with a good story but I also love the good action movie where my brain just switches off and I just watch <laughs> cars going at it or people going at it and just it's just fun um, one of the movies for me that really shaped me was a, a not so famous movie The Princess Bride Oh, I love it's that one. Of one. My favorite movies. It, it's pretty much everybody at, at that time was acting in that movie. You've got, you know, Billy Crystal. Um, you've got Carrie. I have Carrie never Elvis. known. Thank you. I was just going to say, I've never known how to pronounce his, his name. And you've got what was to be uh, later Mrs. Sean Penn. Robin Wright Penn. Robin Wright. Oh, well, Robin well, Wright. Robin Wright, yeah. And she's whom now back to Robin Wright again. Yeah, and whom we now know from House of Cards. Exactly. She's this fantastic character. Yeah, yeah, she is. Very strong. Even that time, she was very strong, but she was ne- never. She was just never given the right role, per se. Um, You've watched it, right? So you know yes. what I'm talking about. It's it's just it's it's mad. Guy goes off, becomes pirate, falls in love before he leaves, and and comes back to save her. It's just brilliant life and everything else that goes along with it. It's adventure, sort mm. of like a bit of a swashbuckling adventure yes. and a bit of a fairy tale romance. And it's one of the best rom coms I know of. I yes. think. Yes, I definitely agree. And of course, that sword fighting scene has got to be one of the favorites <laughs> of all time you've got andre the giant in this movie i mean how much bigger literally um and figuratively can you ever imagine a movie to be and the only thing that i regret about this movie is that i've never seen it on the big screen ah. yeah. well it's never too late it's never too it late is, it is it is what we should do is we should get the projector out and Can't. just project it onto the sand Can't. <laughs> And just watch it. Oh, actually, that'd be <laughs> fun. Just you and me. You and me, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Let's do this. Grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? I'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. Hey, I was just sick. Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? 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 I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Wouldn't that be nice, hmm? A courtly age. Of gentle conversation. I won't always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. Oh, no. Is this a kissing book? No. Actually, there was a lot of treachery. Peril. <coughs> and revenge. Prepare to die. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line! <laughs> There were affairs of state. But I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. 
and affairs of the heart. My Wesley will always come for me. Your Wesley is dead. I've seen worse. Bye, bye, boy. Have fun storming the castle. It's more than turning. What's the difference? We've got him. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. It's a story of love. A tale of adventure. It's as real as the feelings you feel. I'm kissing again. Someday you may not mind so much. The Princess Bride. Not just your basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. And that was The Princess Bride. It was a 1987 movie made by Rob Reiner, mm. starring Carrie Elwes, Mandy Patinkin from Mandy Homeland. Patinkin. Well, and Chicago Hope, for those of us who are a bit old, of older. And do you know that he's a, he's a premier tenor as well? He is? He is. He's got a beautifully angelic tenor voice. Careful the things you say Children will listen Careful the things you do Children will see And learn It's quite amazing. Yeah, it is. He's got a beautiful voice. You hear him when he does Sondheim. Sondheim, another favorite. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about music later. Sure. Uh, any other films on your list? In your top five list? Well, I know we haven't covered any of the top fives, but yeah, for me, another movie that killed me, literally back in the day when they had VCRs, my dad came back and he goes, I've got this movie for you I want you to watch. And I put it in and it was Mary Poppins. <laughs> it was crazy that the music just resonated with me on a on a cellular level mm-hmm. um, and I literally played it rewound it and for those of us who remember what a VCR was rewinding it is I didn't have the fancy little thing where you put it in the car and you press rewind and it rewinds on its own no 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 you have to rewind by yourself <laughs> that was not fun so I, I remember using using pencils can pencil uh, I did the pencil thing I oh my god you okay for those of you who cannot see obviously Maya literally put her two hands facing each other and she does this cycling motion which is what we used to do <laughs> when we put two pencils because we're lazy like that, we put two pencils and then move the thing about rewind oh the cassette tape. yes and I did that I, I did that with the VCR um because ours was the kind where if you rewind it after you just watch a movie, it's too panas, kan? it's too hot. <laughs> so you have to wait for the thing to cool down. <laughs> Blast from the past. I know, right? Early each day to the steps of St. Paul's The little old bird woman comes In her own special way she calls come by my bags full of crumbs come feed the little bird show them you care and you'll be glad if you do I wore that VCR out to the point that it just went anymore I'm going to break down now and it broke down it literally broke it like it like melted my VCR broke because I played the sound of music too often oh my god sound of music I had no problems because TV2 was playing it all the time ah. yeah bless you TV2 because that was my childhood right there and yeah of course Superman 
I mean, who can forget Superman? It was a family thing for us, right? My friends, I'm not given to wild, unsupported statements. And I tell you that we must evacuate this planet immediately. Jor-El, be reasonable. Even though you've been raised as a human being, you are not one of them. And there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. Good reporter doesn't get great stories, Jimmy. A good reporter makes, makes them great. great. Lois Lane, say hello to Clark Kent. Well. Any more at home like you? Uh, not really, no. I want the name of this flying whatchamacallit to go with the Daily Planet like bacon and eggs. I want the real story. I want the inside dope on this guy. Easy, miss. I've got you. You... you've got me? Who's got you? <laughs> What's your background? Uh, where do you hail from? Well, it's, uh, kind of hard to explain, actually. See, I'm from, um... I come from a planet called Krypton. Huh? Krypton. This planet will explode within 30 days. Is that how a warped brain like yours gets its kicks? By planning the death of innocent people? No. By causing the death of innocent people. Fire! It occurs to me that a 500 megaton bomb planted at just a proper point would, uh, would destroy most of California. You're a dreamer, Lex Luthor. A sick, twisted dreamer. Your plan couldn't possibly work. I'll admit there were a few problems. Goodness, Lois Lane. Oh, wow. You know that scene where she was suffocating in all the gravel? I almost died. And then Superman got so angry, he swung the earth around a few times and travelled back in time and saved her. That was so romantic for me. That kind of set the tone for the kind of romance that I wanted in my life, which I will never attain, unfortunately. No, but that's the thing. That's the other thing of it. We want the big gestures, right? But it's the little things that our partners do for us that is the romance. Little things like breakfast in the morning, you wake up to the smell of of fresh toast or fresh coffee. Mm -hmm. That's the little things. Those are the big gestures. And it doesn't even have to be something that you like, like chocolate or flowers or whatever. It could be, I bought you some battery water just in case, you know. When I was younger, I couldn't recognize that. (laughs) You know, we grow up and we realize... We were loved. I, I agree. And the other thing that is one of my favorite is, is you know, like my partner, um, the very last morsel of food, you know, is always kept for me. And um. I, to me, that is like, yeah, that's, that's love right there. You know? That's the kind of thing that mothers do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, mm. mothers never take the last morsel just in case one of the kiddies wants it. And it's not like they don't want it. They want it. They want it. They want that Trust me, I food, want it. But, yeah, it, it's love, you know, it's it's... To me, this is how I experience sacrificial love on a daily basis. So yeah, sacrificial love, Superman, the Princess Bride, we all grew up with these images that we wanted the big gestures, but we also learned over time and age to look for the small ones too. 
I think that's the biggest lesson that we can take away from all the films we watched. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The old ones really had a lot of storyline to it. And of course, um, Joe's Apartment, don't forget that. I've never seen Joe's Apartment. Oh. It's all about cockroaches. <laughs> oh, and the relationship. Oh, wait a minute. Joe's Apartment, right. of course. Yeah, yeah. I found it hilarious that <laughs> this was way before Flubber, right? So way before we had digital enhancements and all these way things. Way before like CGI, CGI was. CGI, thanks. Yeah. Way before CGI. Um, we had Joe's apartment where I have no idea how these guys, these mental people did, I'm guessing stop motion, and they, they made a bunch. And when I say a bunch, I mean... No, you mean a, a mountain of roaches dance, sing, and do all kinds of crap in this tiny shack of an apartment with holes everywhere. he became friends with them and they would do things for him, right? I'm mentally agreeing with you, but emotionally, because I don't like cockroaches going over my skin. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you think that they're nice, Maya. I think, you know, while we're on the theme of sacrificial love, <laughs> the big message coming out of Joe's apartment was that, unbeknownst to many humans, cockroaches could talk, but they preferred not to since humans have this smush first yes, and ask questions attitude. later attitude. Correct. Yeah, it teaches us Humanity, I suppose, and compassion. Yeah, which, you know, was cemented in uh, Men in Black many years later as well. Uh-huh. There's a scene where uh, Will Smith's character um, goes, Jay, he goes and he's about to squish this roach and he goes, and he thinks against it. And the roach literally looks up and goes, thanks, man. <laughs> and I thought it was just like, whoa. But what I really cannot tahan mm. is that little pug <laughs> singing, I will survive, uh, hanging his head out of the car window. And I learned to get along. From outer space, I just walked in to find you here with that sad look upon your face. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. If I'd known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. Go on now, go. Walk out the door. Frank, bring your head in this window before I roll it up in there. Got it. (laughs) Frank! People are wondering what we're smoking right now. Yeah, but we're not. Maybe the aircon uh, (laughs) gas. It's the aromatherapy thingy that they put in here Ah. to um, stop the smells in the studio. (laughs) Anyhow, you were telling me about a Tom Hanks film. Ah, yes. Big. Big. Yes, and big. Another one that just talks about going out there and doing what you believe in. Believe in yourself. Hmm, there seems to be a, a theme going on with the movies and the books that I like. Believe in yourself and the rest will come true. Well, yeah, and true, just be yeah. yourself as well. Yeah. So Tom Hanks plays a 12-year-old kid, Josh Baskin, magically turns into a 30-year-old guy, mm-hmm. heads to New York City, gets the a very low-level first, job. You know, Freaky Friday. Yeah, the very first Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. For Josh Baskin, life was a little unfair. 
until he made a little wish. I wish I were big. Twentieth Century Fox presents Tom Hanks. Big. I turned into a grown-up, Mom. I made this wish on a machine, and it turned me into a grown-up. So now what? You get a job. Cannot get a job. I play with all of this stuff, and then I tell them what I think. And they pay you for that? Sucker! Vice President. He's only been here a week. See that girl over there in the red? Short upper legs around you so tight you'll be begging for mercy. Well, I'll stay away from her then. I loved your ideas on the squeezy doll line. Thanks. What were you like when you were younger? Go oh, well, I wasn't much different. Ejectors! Who are you? I'm his girlfriend. I wanna spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over? Yeah. Okay. But I get to be on top. What is so special about Baskin? He's a grown-up. How do I feel about what? How do you, how do you feel about me? You're only young once. This is important! I'm your best friend. What's more important than that, huh? But for Josh... I miss my family, Susan, and I want to go home. Oh, my God! God, you're married. It just might last a lifetime. And uh, it starts in this book, Perkins as the love interest. Uh, it stars John Hurd. It's uh, it's a great rom-com as well as a Hanksy kind of comedy. <laughs> he did great films. He's very good with his choices of films. Any other films on your list? Yeah, that's about it that I can think of right now. Yeah. All right. And of course, Sound of Music, where, uh, you know, yeah. taking curtains and making them into attire was common. Remember the curtains? Oh, yeah. And the attire. Yeah, I know. And was she was really singing my favourite things during yes. that scene. I know. That's correct. Good, too. It. Good movies, lah. We grew up on movies with storylines and, you know, uh, romance and life and problems and everything else. I, I think it was they were, they were brilliant movies. Yeah, I mean, we make good movies now as we well. Do, we do, but we our kids will remember Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Cray. Oh, incidentally, uh, any writers, if you're a writer, you know, and you'd like to submit something that you want me to read out on a Sunday Kinda Love, do send it to me. Uh, email sundaykindalove at bfm.my uh, because I'm curating stories for an episode of a Sunday Kinda Love called Fifty Shades of Cray. Nice. Yeah, send in something. Send me a so poem what kind, or what something. Kind of, what kind of stories are you looking for out of curiosity? N- anything that deals with madness, craziness. There's some madness going on out there. My boss is doing a big gong up. Nice. So that's one shade of cray right there. There's one shade of cray. Can we play a song before we go sure. to the next part? Sure. It's a live recording of uh, one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs, Rock With You. Mm. And um, it's an arrangement that I worked on with uh, my guitarist, uh, Dean Sim. And it's an acoustic strip down of it. So I hope you guys like it. Sunny Kind of Love returns in just a bit on BFM 89.9. Girl, close your eyes. Let the rhythm get into you. Don't try to fight it. There ain't nothing that you can do. Oh, just take it slow. 
Sunday kind of love. Happy Sunday to you. My name is Maya Tan, and today I have mega songstress Elvira Arul with me. We're stuck on a desert island, which <laughs> means we're talking about the books, films, and music that have really influenced Elvira. Yeah. Happy Sunday, everyone. So we were talking about books. We were talking about films, life <laughs> and cockroaches, life yes. and cockroaches. And my favorite part comes now: musical influence. You know what's influenced you and your music? Okay, I'll start at the very beginning. A very good place to start for those of you who know it. I grew up in a household, but of course, like I said earlier, my mom was performing on stage when she was pregnant with me. So I'm this little bumpkin. You were on stage even when you were just tissue. Yes, literally. <laughs> And then there was my mom who listens to the likes of Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, um, the Rat Pack, and of course Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, he was huge in yeah. the 70s. Well, yes, he was huge. So was his hair. And then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've got my dad, who I grew up listening to. You know, Guess Who, Grand Funk Railroad, uh, Skinner, um, Maiden, Sabbath, AC. So just um, total, yeah, you know, total extreme. Well, the Beatles, jazz yeah, classics on jazz one classics, end, yeah. and then you've got rock on the other. Yeah. So I, I grew up listening to this, and of course in church it was just you know church gospel stuff. Uh, occasionally sung to funeral dirge temples at you know the various churches that we all grew up in um, and then I, I discovered my own um, sound or in that sense I listened to the radio as we all do growing up yeah. and I heard the likes of Mariah Carey Whitney um, Boys to Men Jodeci was not really played on the radio that much. It was my cousins who would, you know, pass me cassettes, or my or my cousin, the one who was in the UK and Iran. You know, at that time you could buy mixtapes from you Victoria. Could. Do you remember Maya Tan? Do you remember mega hits? Oh yeah! <laughs> I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, and then the rest I just, you know, never bothered to catch up on. But yeah, I it was like the highlight of the the season when those cassettes came out. And then, of course, you know that back in the day, I didn't know much about DJing, so I didn't pay attention to that and the scratching and everything else that went along with it. But you had the radio DJs who introduced us to a lot of music. People like Yasmin Yusuf, who was Patrick a dear Teo. friend, Patrick Theo, of course. Alan I would Zachariah. listen. Alan, oh my God, these are people that I grew up listening to, and then over time have also become friends. And bless them for shaping my uh, pliable mind. Shaping uh, your musical youth. My musical youth. Listening to them, listening to the songs, uh, trying to figure out what "Stairway to Heaven" meant. Um, having my own ideas, of course, and the ideas that my mom, the pastor, would also tell me, and then <laughs> the ideas that my dad would go like, "It's just a song that people wrote," you know. And of course, "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds." Where did that come from? You know, and things like this. Over time, I just 
picked up and and assimilated. And of course, I discovered later Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Let me rock you, Shaka Khan. Yeah, but I knew Whitney before I knew uh, Shaka Khan. So whenever you know I, I want to dance with somebody, and then the guys would go Shaka Khan, you know, at the end, I'd be like, who is this person? Literally, Kambo do that I am right. Who is this person? And then later I would come to know Shaka very intimately. So yes. Um, yeah, these are the people that I grew up listening to. Yeah, shaped me for Hawaii, Michael Jackson, of course. And then the jazz side of me, you've got um, well, the bluesy, Ma Rainey, um, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, um, yeah, Washington. All these beautiful voices, and it's strange that I realize I've been saying mostly female voices, but yeah, they're the ones that really shaped the jazz side of me. Funny Valentine Sweet Comic Valentine You Make me these musical icons uh, influence your musical style you I think all of them did mm. in some way or another right yeah. whether it's Michael Jackson yeah. or Etta James yeah. I, and the beauty of music the music that was so warm because the, you know they, not only were they recorded analog they were recorded for the most part people like um, Etta James they they literally went well, a couple of take wonders mm-hmm. they go in there I know people tend to, to make fun of Barbara Streisand um, and, and say all kinds of things and all that but she was another person that and someone whom I've now knowing her recording process come to admire greatly Bette Midler as well they literally the musicians rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse till the cows and cats come home right and sh- Barbara Streisand will walk in do a take yeah, let's just do one more for uh, you know for the sake of it. Do one more take and walks out. You have a good, have a good sound, sound on this trio, Wally. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're all on separate tracks. So we're we going. It, right? I'm going in and out here on the earphones. We're trying to fix it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're rolling up four. Roll out fast. is her recording process. Wow. She doesn't do repeats. No. 
she just comes in, does one two takes and goes out, and I'm like, wow. How does that contrast with the recording process that most artists have now? I mean, you've been in the studio recording stuff. Well, that's the thing. My personal take on recording is if I don't get something, okay. For example, one of my pet peeves is the auto tune bu- button, the auto tune function, which is to fix a pitch, a pitch in that sense, you know, and, and a pitch that is off its mark in whatever way possible. I don't like that that at all. Well, you, Elvira, you're the last person on earth who needs auto tune. Okay, sayang, everybody needs. Uh, everybody goes flat or sharp. Everybody. Everybody, even those who are pitch perfect, um, they assume that they're not going flat or sharp. But everybody goes flat and sharp. We are humans. We do. Uh, so yeah, definitely. But the thing is, with me, and all my engineers hate me sometimes. Um, I will do it and do it and do it and do it and do it until I get it right. Which I think is the way to do it. Then yeah, it's which authentic. Is what they used to do. Then yeah. it's real. Yeah, you know, it's not auto tuned. Yeah, and that's what they used to do. I mean, again. Uh, power to you if that is your sound and your sound is more uh, digital you like that metallicness of the tonality uh, behind your sound if you like that sure go for it it's fine it's just not something I'm comfortable with I don't mind listening to it on the radio sometimes but if you want to talk about an authentic sound then that is not something I would I would classify as authentic in that sense but then again you've got the other side of the coin where if that is their authenticity as performers then who am I to say it's not because at the end of the day music is music and music is what anybody likes so music can be as simple as a gong chiming every I don't know 20 beats that's still music you know the birds the wind it's still music it's just a matter of preference and for me I like things warm which is why I like the analog uh, recording uh, process Mm -hmm. you listen to the songs that were recorded then right you can still listen to them today because there is a sense of yeah I, I don't know how to classify this warmness to the sound it's something that digital recordings do not have. They lack. No matter where they try and get it from, they will always lack it. Mm. Um, what kind of music are you writing today? Is your genre mostly soul and R&B? It's so strange. I sing that, but I don't write that. My, my writing style is very grungy. It's very... I don't know, there's, there's angst that comes out in my writing style. Um, there's also love. There's also all the things that I write. I write about my life in that sense. So... For example, like uh, my single, Simple Love, that maybe you might play later, right? Um, (laughs) Which is the very first single, like many, 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 many years ago. Um, That was written completely different from how I perform it now. So the way that you're going to hear it later, if you feel like playing it, Maya, (laughs) is um, very... I don't know, it's very up-tempo, it's very fun, it's very, with a, with a heavier message, but it's very fun in that sense. It's the way I do it, it now is more like a ballad. Well, let's take a listen to a little bit of it now. Sure. Children lying in the street Begging feed me, won't you please Brothers, sisters trading coke Fathers pimping out their So, yeah, you've heard that, right? Now, this is how I do it today. Children lying in the street Begging feed me, won't you please Brothers, sisters trading cool 
Fathers pimping out their souls. So like you you hear everything there. Ayo. Yep, my hair is standing on end because it's so beautiful. Ayo, thank you, love. Thank you. Thank you so much. That that's always um something performers strive towards, you know, when you can move someone and Thank you for making my day with that. So, you know, there's a lot more depth now. Yeah. Um there's a Definitely. lot more wisdom there. It's a lot more mm. grounded, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah. Yeah. That would uh, be it. Yeah. I think it's different though when you uh, perform things live mm. and when you go into a recording studio and everything's definitely. mastered, you yeah, know. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of levity and that's why even Lady Gaga, you know, like when you see her perform live or doing jazz or doing acoustic, mm. it's so different mm. from what you hear on her album. Yeah. And I and think that's what I feel it should be, you know. Mm. I I don't want to. There are some performers who go out there and perform their song exactly the way it was in the track, and that's fine. But I I come to see you play live. You don't have to rearrange it, and, and you know, massively. But just do something different that is gonna make my experience of watching you do it live more worth it in that sense why would i want to pay money personally lah this is just me personally why would i want to pay money to hear you a band or a singer perform the song exactly note for note time for time the way it was on the on the radio exactly just hook up to a really good system isn't it mm-hmm. yeah but that's just me lah mm. um anybody else who just really makes your hair stand on end so many i guess people who are true to their story My hair stands when people like Bonnie Raitt sing a song, mm. like "I Can't Make You Love Me." Every time I hear her her sing it, I love that live. song to begin with. Yeah. So she's a storyteller. She's a blues singer, but she's a storyteller at 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 her core. And I love storytellers. If you're authentic to your your story, it's brilliant. Well, it's just been fabulous spending time with you here Thank on you. this desert island. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvira Arrow. Before we go, we're just going to leave you with Simple Love, taken off taken off her single. Thank you so much, Maya, for having me and thank you so much BFM for having me as well. Sunny kind of love will be back next week. I'm Maya Tan, BFM 89.9. Children lying in the street Begging feed me, won't you please Brothers, sisters trading coke Fathers pimping out their souls Mothers giving up their world And I said, hey